Welcome to the Enlightened Mike Podcast. My name's Tim. I'm joined, of course, by my lovely co-host, Carl. How's it going, Carl? Yeah, you know, I'm doing pretty good, Tim. How are you doing? I'm, you know what? I could be doing worse. I'll say that much. Uh, yeah, got to play Flesh and Blood this week. Got to uh, get to record this podcast with you. So, uh, you know, I'd say it's all it's all coming up aces or coming up millhouse or whatever the saying is. <laughs> I don't actually know. Yeah. We got a great show for you today. Carl, how was your week what did you what did you get into what flesh and blood did you play yeah good question um this week i was pretty busy uh, with work so i only got to do a couple of limited events at uh, one of the local stores here uh, geeks and games and i i don't right think on. we've talked about it much but we'll get into a little bit who, like who's on the team and kind of what their strengths are and one of my major strengths is, is definitely limited so i crashed the event oh, yeah. of course uh, got a couple of cold foil <laughs> young euros that they had left over and Nice, and I yeah. ended up uh, making a sealed with Dorinthia, which some people say, Dorinthia, like how do you how do you get enough go again on the weapon and stuff? And honestly, I I didn't. I think I had two go again attacks for for the entire you know sealed deck. But right. I played it like a briar, where I'd run out two scar for scars and then follow up with a, a dawn blade, and it was actually pretty darn good. I, I hadn't played Dorinthia that way before. What's crazy about Dorinthia too is like. And, and even in, in, especially in limited, um, like thinking back to, um, like back in the Monarch meta, right? We had chain and there was, um, uh, people were like trying to play the galaxy black thing, but then they eventually settled on nebula blade because it was usually, um, especially with seeds, it was usually like a, a pay to attack for four type thing. Um, and so of course, you know, <laughs> of course, <laughs> Rosetta Thorn is just absolutely insane, but that's neither here nor there. But something that I saw once that people I think didn't give enough respect to is they played the Reaping Blade because it always attacks for three and only for one resource, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. and you don't have to go through all the setup. And so like Dawn Blade, like, yeah, if you can get some counters on it, whatever, but like that just seems pretty solid so yeah i love that love that strategy yeah it was it was a good time the i recall a turn the one time where i got to attack twice with the dawn blade on the second hit i used her faction bolters and he goes you can't attack with it again and i said i know and then i followed up with attack for seven so it was uh <laughs> it was pretty great you know it was, it was good yeah. flesh and blood we had a good time we had a little chuckle but uh yeah that wasn't that was a, yeah. a fun fun time of playing some sealed yeah, it turns out Go Again just uh, gives you another action point, actually. Uh, so, uh, actually, action points. Um, yeah, awesome. Uh, and you were, so you just got out and it was uh, just Welcome to Wraith sealed, sounds like? Yeah, so they had some extra Welcome to Wraith Cold Foil heroes. So they, they advertised for for an nice. additional sealed. You know, Geeks and Games here in Portland doesn't have a lot of people that uh, go to the yeah. events, but they always have phenomenal prizes, so recommend checking yeah, it out. I don't I've never actually been there so I'll have to have to go and yeah, I'll have to go get out there at some point. I think I've been I think I've tried out uh, you know pretty much every store that does flesh and blood events at this point. Um besides I haven't gone to an event at Gone Guy, but I have been to their space and it's it's really cool. Uh-huh. And so yeah, I'll, I'll have to add geeks and games to the list. There you go. I uh, got out to our local uh Fable 
Hobby Armory, played Prism. I lost to Katsu. I ended up going 2-1, getting a few prize packs, so it was fine. Um, but, you know, valuable learning experience, uh, especially with, like, I was like, oh, I'll just, like, phantasmal footsteps in front of, like, you know, this attack. And, and I was pitching some of my, you know, yellow auras or some some of my no blocks for uh, for that. And then I realized it's like, oh, he's never breaking the combat chain, and he's also, like, I'm never getting a chance to use this other resource unless I've got, like, another yellow aura and a blue to, like, utilize that leftover floating resource. So I actually, like, just the aggro matins, uh, which is something that I really like about Flesh and Blood. Like, I like that I can, like, stop at the end of a game, flip over my deck, and just, like, look at all the cards I pitched from the beginning of the game. And then go, oh, right, like, I could have won this game because if I, like, you know, pitched like this or if I had played this card instead of, you know, playing this other card in this one situation or, oh, I, like, you know, took too much damage to set up an aura or whatever... But like even with with any other deck too, I, that's what I love about Flesh and Blood is you can you can at the end of the game you can think about all your decisions and you can find usually a turning point where it's like that was the point where I tilted the game in my opponent's favor or that's the point of the game where I lost. Right? It was good though. I I love Fable. Love uh, love that like most of our you know Team Galaxy Brain kind of makes it out there. Um, but speaking of Team oh. Galaxy Brain, actually. Uh, that, you mentioned that you wanted to 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 talk about them, so I, I'd love to give give everybody a little bit of an intro. We didn't really do that last time, so you know it would be great to kind of go over who we are and what we do and why we came together and all that. Yeah, we can just and give what, it what we kind of say? a we can just give it kind of a high level. I was going to say yeah. that uh, Katsu is already a pretty tough matchup for Prism, yeah. and he not afforded a lot of mistakes. You know, one one play mistake yeah. can you can. He can really take over the game, um, but that's also, in my opinion, inherently where where he's weak, right? So if you're playing against a, a solid opponent that doesn't make blocking mistakes, then Katsu is a very difficult yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull it out. Well, and that's and that's the thing too is like I I didn't make any like egregious play mistakes, but I think that I like I didn't get the maximum value out of my pitch, and I didn't get maximum value out of my armor and my well my armor blocks, I should say. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that if I had done that differently, um, I think I would have won. He was also like he was pre- he was pretty good too. I actually um, I played it before at a, a skirmish that I top aided, uh, and then um, and he was on I think he was on like Bolton or something. He was just kind of messing around at that skirmish I think. But um, and then but he's like he's a good player, um, and he had actually. I was really impressed. So he had actually pitched all of his razor reflexes early, and he had done. He had attacked me with a lot of his combo pieces, so that he was basically pitching and attacking and blocking, so that uh, he would be able to set up for a big Lord of the Wind turn. Um, or in this case, uh, he set up for on his last turn or on his last two turns. He razor reflexed me. But I was like still alive, and I like made some shields and survived. And then I came at him for a couple damage, and then he double razor reflexed me on his last turn. I'm uh. like, that's something where it's like he had to mindfully pitch his razors, and I like I can't even be mad. It's like I, my hat just goes off to him. He's also just like a really really nice guy and super fun to play. So um, yeah, I honestly forgot his name. I think it's Matt or something. Anyway. I'll give him a shout out when I figure out his name because he's yeah super cool guy and uh, hopefully you know hopefully he'll he'll listen to this one day and hear hear that I thought he was really nice. Yeah, um, Matthew. Yeah, I've, I've played against him a couple times. He's he's a good guy. He plays Katsu. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, 
Cool. Yeah, Matthew. I think it's because there's two Matthews there, which is funny too. There's like there's like Matt P and then Matt. Uh, I'm just doxing all of my opponents apparently. Uh, so yeah. Um, uh, do you have anything else that you wanted to share about uh, your week in Flesh and Blood before we kind of dive into uh, Team Galaxy Brain a little bit? Uh, we, who we are, we what we do. Talk about uh, TGV, you know, a little bit. I, I remember yeah. that uh, we we being myself. Uh, you, Tim, and Eli were were hanging mm-hmm. out at uh, PGS. That's Portland Game Store here in Portland, and and um, I, I remember you were playing Bravo. I was on Ira, and Eli had just started picking up Lexi, if, if I mm-hmm. recall correctly. And mm-hmm. and uh, you and I were accustomed to just kind of crushing everybody. And then along comes Eli, and he's <laughs> just playing super sharp. He's playing really well with Lexi. He's he's doing the the cycle up, cycle down turns. And I think it was you that said, "Hey, you guys, we should uh, we should get in a playtest group." <laughs> yeah, and I was like, "Sweet, yeah, let's do it." And then, and then as as time went on, you know, we realized that uh, one, we're pretty good players, and two, we're just awesome people. So mm-hmm. we started to bring in other awesome people, right? And other people that that love to improve and play Flesh and Blood, and that had some some level yeah. of you know, uh, I want to say I don't know if maturity is the right word, but perhaps a, a certain level of um, you know social interest in the group to yeah, to want yeah. to know and meet everybody and be more than just you know a card play test group you know we've been to each other's birthday parties and we support each yeah. other you know out, outside of flesh and blood and whatever that means so you know it's it's a pretty cool team I, I like to think of it as more a group of you know people who rely on each other than anything else and then we all have a common yeah, interest totally. in the card game right yeah, and I mean that's yeah yeah I remember that yeah the, I don't know if it there was like ever a specific point where we're like oh yeah we're like a team now but like I think that we had I remember specifically one night where I was on Bravo I think and you were like watching a game between me and Eli and Terra Sunder had just come out and like I didn't realize like that I could do it with Anathos and you just after the game you're like hey you know I think you might have won that game if you had just like Terra Sundered and then Anathos and then we had this moment where I was like oh shit that's really cool (laughs) and then like afterwards we were talking and I was like yeah like I've got kids but I'm like you know I love to grind card games and you're like I've got kids and I love to grind card games and then like (laughs) you know Eli is like I'm Eli and uh because uh, he doesn't have kids, so that's the joke. Anyway, uh, but yeah, and then I was like, let's start a Discord server and just like you know talk flesh and blood, and we did. And then yeah, we started inviting other people. Um, uh, I don't know if I can name them all. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I probably can. Uh, let's see. So we, we, yeah, we invited uh, Archer, Sky, uh-huh. Christian, uh, Ken. Which uh, yeah, we don't get to see a lot of Ken, but he's a nice guy. Uh, and then, did I say Christian? I said Christian. Uh-huh. Who am I missing here? Uh, Probably just look at our team channel. But oh, Natan, of course, yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, they're all they're all like I I think that's kind of like I said that was kind of our criteria for for inviting people in. Right? Is like they want you know the the mindset to improve. Like I, Archer started playing um, around tails, and uh, but yeah, he just had this like really like he had a desire to improve, and he was really critical of all his plays and kind of a in, in a pretty good way for the most part. And um, so yeah, we invited him, and same with Sky. Like you know, Sky's really great. He made the finals of a uh, Road to Nationals ProQuest. I guess it must have been Road to Nationals, but but yeah. And I mean, I think just to kind of wrap up this this segment, 
you know, we just realized that uh, we all kind of had a desire to create some content. We're starting this podcast. Uh, we're eventually going to start doing some gameplay videos when we figure out kind of a cadence. Yeah, I just wanted to give you a little background on Team Galaxy Brain, and I think we're going to start expanding uh, some of the stuff we're doing. And I know that we're talking to, you know, Fable Hobby about, you know, about getting like some play mats and maybe some jerseys and stuff like that. So exciting times. But yeah, uh, I don't want to be like the Flesh and Blood news podcast, um, and, but there wasn't really any uh, news this week that I know of. Um, I know that Drew Cordell uh, wrote a, a really nice article for um, for the Flesh and Blood website where he talks about the ProQuest uh, Season 2 Week 2 uh, metagame breakdown. He has really nice like pie charts of the total overall meta. He has one that is the top eight meta, and then he has one that is the winner's meta. And then at the very end, he breaks it down with a chart that has things like top eight conversions, top eight to win percentages. So lots of really, really good data. So I'll get your opinion on this, Carl. But the first thing I wanted to say is I love that LSS is all about sharing data. I know that in games I've played previous, like uh, in in Magic the Gathering, for example, wizards can be like very stingy about their data. I remember when the website like MTG Goldfish first started, they were doing like win percentages and stuff. So like, oh, like, uh-huh. you know, just is 50-50 against blue-white control based on like, you know, everybody's findings. Um, and wizards, you know, was like, hey, cut it out. <laughs> um, so they're kind of like really scared of data and like people breaking the meta and stuff. But, you know, that is what it is. All this to say um, that I love that Legend Story Studios has really leaned into we know it's going to happen and we want to share it because it'll make our game better. Um, So what do you think about, I don't know if you saw the article, Carl, but what do you think about the pro quest meta uh, and the top eight conversions and uh, things like that? You know, I I haven't seen uh, that article yet, but I'll give give kind of my perspective on it and i don't know that everybody would necessarily agree with me and first i think wizards is scared of data because they they have a card game that has some um inherent problems even even richard garfield has mentioned that you know the the man and land system today just just isn't the the way you know a strategic card game should be built anymore but but yeah. uh that that neither here nor there i'm not trying to say flesh and blood is better than magic or better than flesh and blood not that's not that's not the point the, the point is just that that's a little bit why they they're scared of the data is because it's it's hard it's hard to balance a game that has 57,000 cards in it and you know i think that might be the low end for magic and then you know what does that look like and i know there's standard rotations and modern legacy and such but, but anyway point point I'm, I'm trying to get at is that i i personally believe that the skill gap in flesh and blood between two players can be so vast uh, even compared to magic that it completely blows uh, any meaning out of the water for like conversion rates for example so let's let's talk about uh kano at the actual pro tour, you know, piloted by Alexander Vore. Uh, Alexander Vore didn't choose Kano because he thought it would be a good meta pick. Uh, Arsenal Pass did, and uh, they did pretty solid. I think one of them got top eight, if I remember right. That was, I think, Sasha's on the the uh, Arsenal Pass team. Yeah, I think it was Sasha Markovic yeah. uh, got top eight on Kano. Yeah, right. So, but the point I'm getting at is that. Uh, Alex is, is an inc- 
incredible Kano player. That's, that's all he does. He, he knows it in and out, and he's doing the math before he ever gets to the carts, right? So that, and that's the kind of Kano player you need to be in order to top eight an, an event like that. And then he had to get a little bit lucky, right, with the, the deck choice. And I, I, yeah, it speaks to an incredible conversion rate, but if we had, you know, 40 Kanos there, it doesn't mean we're going to have the same, I think it was like 20 to yeah. 30% conversion rate that that we saw out of the Kanos. Oh, probably be higher than that. If we look at like ta- uh, day two, it was like 40% conversion rate for day two, right? For Kano, which is insane. Right, which something insane. like that. Yeah. So, you know, Starvo, yeah. I think was like 25 and that's a lot for, for conversion rate. Yeah. So so anyway, um, the, the point is that I think that the skills are, dictate so much about how you end up that it's it's really hard to take that data unless you have just thousands and thousands of data points because if we talk about you know like Reinar at uh, at a recent ProQuest you know I think there was like some 50 people there there was only two people playing Reinar one lost immediately did did really terrible and another one got top eight but this is one yeah. of the best flesh and blood players that I know right so there's something to be said for just being an incredible flesh and blood player and then piloting the the right deck as well. So, so anyway, that's yeah. that's kind of my perspective on you know what does that mean and how does that work out for you know a, a like standings and, and what the win percentages are and this is completely independent of just a meta right a meta is you know right. a pie right. chart of who's taking what heroes to the tournament you guys all know this but but that's not what I'm talking about I'm talking about who's taking what I'm talking about like specifically you know top aiding conversion rates stuff like that because. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at like, I don't know, Tyler Horse was a great example. He he won in Las Vegas around when I started playing Flesh and Blood. So he, he stands out to me. Uh, he's a great player. He's a very good player. But but I tell you what, Tim, he puts his pants on the same way I do every morning. You know, we <laughs> we we both can play cards just as well as Tyler Horsepool can. He, a lot of people seem to idolize, you know, these these really great players. And if you look, he hasn't he hasn't gotten first in another event. So so yes, he's highly skilled. There's a, a lot of highly skilled people, and I'm trying to speak to the to the meta choices because if you look, he's still also only playing Prism, right? And very very rarely yeah, you sure. see some of those tops uh, kind of change. So so anyway, I don't, I don't know if uh, you know you're capturing the point I'm getting at is that I think I think the skill gap between player to player is just so large and makes such a big impact that it's hard to take that with it from a from a conversion rate standpoint totally and i mean that's a that's a really good point um i think that yes uh and there's like man i could like i could talk about like goal analysis for a long time like it's it's something that like my wife gets annoyed at me because that's actually one of the things that she not statistical analysis but like quantitative analysis and also uh, quantitative analysis. I won't dive into this, but that's part of what she does, and <laughs> she gets annoyed at me sometimes because I like bug her about like, well, how would you, how would you like analyze this set of data or whatever? She's like, oh, you're just making me work at seven p.m. on a Tuesday, okay? Um, but uh, uh, I think that you know you could take a lot of things away from this, but I think that as far as the numbers go, like I think that this meta looks really healthy and this is this is the first thing i'll say about it and then i have i have some kind of comment on on what you've said so like the three top decks for overall meta um there is 15 15 and 15 basically so like you know 45 percent of the meta is the top three decks i think that's great i think that that an ideal meta is three top paper scissors which i think this kind of is but they're all i think they're all pretty even with each other um, at the end of the day, 
And then there's some decks that prey on two, but not three of the decks, basically. So I think that this meta is actually pretty awesome now that we've had you know the bans and, and everything. Um, I know that a lot of people probably disagree with me. <laughs> but uh, And then the top eight meta is uh, you basically just see a little bit of an expansion um, on their, you know, the slices of their pie. Bravo has a 23.8% um, conversion into top eight, which is actually pretty insane. Um, Prism has an 18%, uh, and then Chain has a 19% conversion rate. So those are all pretty good. Um, and then, you know, just looking at conversion from top eight to win, uh, it's Bravo has a 33% conversion from top eight to win. Chain has a 29% conversion from top eight to win, and, and Prism has a 15%. So... Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that these are like the overall meta looks awesome to me. Um, it gets a little bit dicey when you get into the winning meta and the top eight meta and see how good chain and, and Starvo are. Um, but I think there's, I think there's a few things, right? Like, I think that when you're taking this data into account, I think you gotta look at a couple things. One is yes. Like you, like you gotta look or at least think about rather, because sometimes it's not always visible. You got to think about is like, what did that Starvo player that won the PQ play? Like, did you just, play, right. did he play, uh, did he play Azalea for five rounds? Like, obviously not. Cause nobody plays Azalea. Uh, did, uh, did he play his most favorite matchup every round? Like, did he high roll whatever? Um, and then there's other things too. Like, um, how skilled is this player? Like, I think that like a Starvo player can be like, LOL, like I'm just going to casino. Right. And then there's also Starvo players that like, I'm going to set up my pitch deck. I am going to like really control this game and set up so that I can fuse, 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 and then have a big turn at the end. Right. Like, or I can fatigue my opponent. Like, like somebody who has been playing Starvo and has had the reps on Starvo knows how to utilize crown of seeds, stuff like that is going to see a vast increase in their win percentage. Um, but it's like also taking into account that Starvo is kind of a powerful hero, right? And yeah, sometimes you can just go LOL, fuse, 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 fuse. Um, but I, like all that, all that being said, um, I, I think that there's just a lot of things you have to take into account. I think there's local metas as well. Um, like there, like I know that in our local meta, like there's people that only ever play Prism. There's people uh-huh. that only ever play Azalea. There's people that only play Chain. Um, so I think that's that's something to take into account. Um, but in my opinion, just at a glance, the numbers look fine. Um, I won't be sad to see Starvo go. But yeah, part uh, part of that also, and I think why why most people aren't very happy with Starvo, it's very uninteractive when you're losing. So you know, at, you know, as as right. the opponent to the Starvo, so you know, if they like you said, if they just lull fuse every turn, you didn't really get to do anything, and they won the game, and uh, it's not. It's not really fun for yeah. anyone. Now, it's yeah. I wanted to touch a little bit on what you said. It's it's okay. yeah. We talked about high skill. There's also I'm sorry. There's also luck, especially in a, in a deck like Starvo. Now, I think that luck oh, yeah. is uh, mitigated a lot more in Flesh of Blood because of the pitch stacking and and you know intelligent shuffling when when you do it right and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. But but uh, you know the the top the top player and and the pro tour has to you know one be good. First of all, first and foremost, to get lucky, you know, that is lucky in, in yep. uh, your matchups, right? And and potentially your draws. And um, and then, uh, yeah, and then and then when, like, the, the matchup lottery we talked about, right? So, so 
It reminds me of one time, yeah. you know, I played WoW TCG years ago, and uh, they had, I don't know if you've heard of Spectral Tiger, it's it's like a... It's like an eight thousand dollar card now or oh, something, yeah. but I was in I was in a five hundred person tournament uh, for for a Spectral Tiger, and uh, I remember saying the night before because it was a sealed event, you, you the the player who's going to win is going to get Warlock, and they they have to be good, so they have to get lucky and they have to be good, and and that'll put them on top. Now, uh, I'm not trying to discredit being good, but it can't be everything either, right? So. So I, I did end up winning that tournament, and I was a good player, and I got Warlock. So, <laughs> so right, it's just it's just how it works out. But uh, but anyway, uh, I, I don't know where yeah. I was really going with that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Yeah, exactly. No, I mean, what's the what's the saying though? It's like uh, luck is where uh, where preparation and opportunity cross paths. Um, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, that being said, going on from the ProQuest, there's one more week of ProQuest. I think it's the next week. And I think I'm actually going to be able to make it out, which is exciting. I okay. am leaning towards Prism. Um, but just like knee jerk reaction, Carl, what would you play going into next week? Um, I'll be there too. And I'll be playing Chain. So oh, I've been. Cool. We talked about that uh, last time about the Pro Tour. Uh, my chain isn't going to be exactly like the the Pablo one. Mm-hmm. I personally don't like yellow boundings. Uh, neither is Archer. Archer is definitely our, our chain kind of master on the team. Yeah. But I wanted to try them out. They're kind of underwhelming. You you have to have like an Art of War turn or or be using a, a minimalism on them. But anyway, uh, so yeah, I'll be playing chain. Prism, I think, is a solid choice as well. You know, you and I have tested uh, Prism to chain. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's favored to chain, but not necessarily by a huge margin. Not by a lot. Right. It's like it's like it feels really close, especially like the better the chain player is. I think the closer the matchup is. Um, And also there's a lot of tech choices you can make on the prism side, too. Like like I know that um, like Tyler Horsepool went like four one into chain at the pro tour. Um, and he, but he was running like, he was running like three sigils, two fate for scene, three sync belows. Um, and I don't know if he was going on the fatigue plan necessarily, but, um, he was also running like three blue impenetrable beliefs, which is just a card that it's like a, it's a, it's a two cost for three attack, uh, with two block. But if the opponent has banished three or more cards, it blocks for four instead of two, um, so that's like some sweet tech, but like, and it's a light card. So like, if you wanted to like put it into your soul from Genesis or whatever, like it's, it sort of synergizes, but all this to say, uh, yeah, I think chains a reasonable, reasonable choice as well. And I think it's a close matchup with prism. Uh, there is of course the Bravo star of the show in the room, but I, I think that like, if something went wrong, like if we had like done a bunch of testing this week and, I was like, man, I am just like not feeling Prism anymore. I would just, I would default back to Starvo. Like he's, he's worse without Autumn's touches and Awakening, obviously. But like, I still feel really comfortable, like maximizing Crown of Seeds and like blocking with Rampart at the right time and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, I mean, I still think Starvo is a super choice and, uh, well, may we meet in the finals and, uh, may you lose, I guess. Uh, I, I hope you do we'll super see. well we'll until we meet in the finals and, uh, and I win. Uh, yeah, either either way, TGB <laughs> wins. So that's yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, oh, I know, that's, right? that's something that I've been impressed with is every single tournament we've been at, except for maybe like the the one ProQuest. Uh, no, no, even even then, we've either gotten first or at least top eight if it's a yeah. big if it's a bigger event, right? So yeah. so that's kind of cool. It, it's neat to to rep that for for the local events. You know, Pro Tours and Calling's a little bit different. You know, it's five six hundred people, but for yeah. everything local, we we are crushing every single event we go to. It's, well, I remember it's that awesome. like that skirmish I mentioned earlier too. Like it was Archer and myself and Christian 
and we drove out to Discs and Dice here in Portland, and uh, we all top aided, and that was so awesome. Um, and then uh, the next day, there was another skirmish, I think at like Wayward or something like that. And, and then you and two other people all went out there, and then like everybody in the car top aided as well. And I was like, all right. <laughs> so it felt, felt <laughs> yeah. very good. And then the last thing, and we're kind of going over like a little bit here on our time. But uh, let's just get your your quick hits. Uh, this is the end of of the Tales Everfest uh, kind of meta. How did we'll just go like a quick? We'll we'll say give it a rating out of ten. Like how did you feel about just kind of everything from the set uh, flavor to how much did you enjoy it? Oh, the sets, I should say. Uh, what did you think the competitive scene was like? Yeah, sure. So I don't know. I think my opinion might be a little unpopular, but uh, I didn't like Everfest. I didn't particularly enjoy this meta. Um, I I did not enjoy playing against Starvo. You know, I've 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 come to know a lot of the local players, and and one one of the new local guys picks up Starvo and says, "Hey, this is a deck," and then just crushes you with it. It doesn't it doesn't feel good, right? So so personally, I. I did not particularly <laughs> enjoy this meta. I, I really liked, um, believe it or not, I really liked when uh, Viscerian CC w- was doing well. Oh, I me too. I didn't feel like it was was insane for CC. Uh, Blitz was a problem for Viscerai. Um, you know, I recall on turn two, you know, with five cards and two rune chance dealing forty six damage. That's not that shouldn't happen, yeah. right? That's, no, that's yeah, I think okay, that was but... that was that was a bit. Yeah. Um, I think, and that's like, I think that's the only like problem. This is the only real problem that I had with this meta for Blitz and Classic Constructed. Like, I don't think Starvo is was healthy for the game necessarily especially uh-huh. because i feel like his skill floor was so low and it's like his ceiling was like like it was a really good deck but the skill floor was like low enough that most people could p- pick it up and do reasonably well with it like it's not like you know it's not like Kano or whatever where you pick it up and you have to get right. reps with it and know all the lines like you just kind of like well i guess i'll fuse and crush you for seven and then come in for eight and then you know it doesn't and it doesn't feel good i i think that's what it comes down to is the experience is is bad um and then yeah i i actually really like blitz in general and i like i i love i like i love blitz i think it's really fun it's fast you can play a seven round tournament in like four hours <laughs> it's uh-huh. like it's insane that's a little bit of an exaggeration but i think the only time that i had a problem with this format um was yeah just viscerai and blitz um and then like everybody that was ever on viscerai that i talked to was like i think this is fine i'm like you are have clearly not played the other side of this matchup because it's like it's <laughs> it's absurd right like yeah. like like when you go when you go first as oldham and you like arsenal a card and you have defense reactions for their big for their and you go through the motions and like you block out everything you pitch to block the arcane where you can whatever like you go through all these things and you like go back and look at the turn and you're like well i blocked as much damage as i could which is 22 damage and i still died like it's like yeah, yeah. like right. that should that should never happen and um it's you know it is what it is uh it's in living legend now so there's no use griping about it but right sure um um but yeah i i agree i think i love i loved tales of aria i know that you know there were some kind of overpowered cards in that set but like it balanced out in the end and um i loved the flavor i loved all the heroes um i didn't ever really get to draft that set but it was awesome and then yeah i think everfest like was fine 
but I didn't really particularly enjoy the flavor of the set as much as I did Tales or like Arcane Rising or whatever. Um, it was just kind of it was just kind of like goofy, and like some of the cards were like really problematic. So um, yeah, it, it is what it is. But like I like I enjoyed the set. It just wasn't my favorite. I think it's probably my least favorite of all the sets so far. Sure. So yeah, we're a little bit over on our intended time here, but that's totally fine. Do uh, any closing remarks, Harl? Before we head into the pro quest and duel to the death. Yeah. No. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Tim, looking forward to seeing the top eight. So yeah, me too. Uh, look, look forward to the next uh, discussion. I, I was thinking for the future that we could start maybe talking about individual heroes or oh, yeah. potential, you know, advice for new players. You know, some things to look forward to as we yeah. we move forward. Well, and, our, and our like our we were saying career. earlier with Team Galaxy Brain too, it's like we have like. I don't want to say we have specialists on our team, but like you're insane at draft and sealed. Archer is like insane playing chain. Uh, Sky is really good with Viscerai. Natan is awesome with Oldham. Eli is really good with Lexi. Like we have a lot of like people who have are really strong with particular heroes and play styles. And I would love to do like a like a series where we just kind of dive into like like we can get Natan on here, dive into Guardian, that kind of thing. Um, so for those of you listening at home, uh, let us know in the comments or, you know, uh, email us at podcast at team And, uh, let us know your, uh, let us know your suggestions, uh, any comments, let us know how you like the show, uh, or just, uh, you know, email us and, uh, say hi or the enlightened Mike podcast, uh, at enlightened dash Mike that's spelled M I C on Twitter. All right, cool. Cool. Well, uh, it's time to uh, wrap this up. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. And uh, I'll see you all next week. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, guys. Yeah, I was about to tell you to say goodbye again. (laughs) Thank you.